You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. There seems to be a perception among Christians that Lutherans are somehow against holy living or against good works. And yet in the Catechism we confess that we ask God's name to be holy among us and that this takes place when the Word of God is taught in its truth and purity and we as children of God lead holy lives according to God's Word. God says, be holy, be perfect, as I the Lord your God am holy and perfect. But does he really mean it? Stay tuned for Equipping the Saints with Pastors Clint Poppy and Adam Moline. Welcome once again to Equipping the Saints, Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Adam Moline, Vicar Thomas Goodroad. We serve the saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Equipping the Saints, we look at Christian living, not at the expense or exclusion of justification by grace through faith on account of the person work of Jesus Christ, rather flowing from it. We are redeemed. We are forgiven. We are children of God. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. And now, how, as Christians, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, should we live? For the last uh, several episodes, we've been looking at the broader topic of Christian ethics. More specifically, we've been looking at Christian sexual ethics. And on this uh, episode 26, we're going to be... um, Tackling the topic of the T in LBGT plus transgenderism. Uh, Pastor Moline is shaking his head like he doesn't believe that the T in LBGT stands for transgenderism. Vicar is over here giggling and laughing because he knows that it does. And um, uh, you have some witty retort, Pastor. No, I'm just sitting here. (laughs) (laughs) He may or may not be smiling because it's LG. B-T. And what did I say? L-B-G-T. Oh, okay. Yeah, you cannot but, get those. But I, well, wouldn't, I would never bring that up. <laughs> um, well, Just laugh about it. Um, I will say that uh, I have had conversations with, uh, with folks uh, mm-hmm. that are uh, very, very passionate about these topics, and uh, it is a very emotional topic, and uh, not getting the acronym correct is a uh, is a major red flag for folks on the other side of the issue and i mean no disrespect or anything uh in that way i am i'm just not familiar with it and uh want to want to be able to have a conversation based on god's word and uh, i do know that in that acronym even if i did get it uh, wrong once or twice before uh in that acronym the t stands for transgenderism and I also remember years ago when, um, when this acronym LGBTQ and then the plus was added, uh, because there are more, 
how'd I do, Vicar? Great. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Um, that it seemed to me at that time that the T, transgenderism, did not seem to fit with the, uh, with the other particular initials and topics that were there. And I also remember thinking to myself that the T, transgenderism, was uh, a very, very um, small or minor uh, part of this particular movement. And I think it was, and over the years, it has grown and grown and grown and grown so that uh, uh, it is uh, being uh, promoted and flaunted and encouraged in very, very uh, many ways. We have um, young children in school that are perhaps confused about their identity or their sexual identity, and uh, they are being told that it is a uh, perfectly okay to uh, explore this area of transgenderism and uh, perhaps even encouraged to do it. It's kind of a fad, um, and it's getting younger and younger and younger. Um, the uh, Recently in the news, the uh, what, whatever the, the swimming board, the national swimming board that decides these things for amateur athletics in the United States, uh, came out and said uh, no longer are uh, people who were uh, born biological males able to compete with females in swimming. And uh, made the news, uh, transgender swimmer won all the awards and shattered all the records. And upon further review, uh, it is uh, perhaps not quite the victory that many people uh, thought it was. Because in the language, it talks about uh, when you transition. You uh, transition early enough, you can be born a biological male and compete as a female. So this is all about encouraging people to transition at an earlier age. And so there's a lot of stuff going on. And uh, um, Pastor, I, I just I feel that we need to approach this uh, as we have been from the very beginning. And when we started talking about God's gift of marriage, we went back to Genesis 2 and the one flesh union that God created with Adam and Eve in the gift of marriage. And I think we should go back even a little bit farther in, at the end of Genesis 1, day 6 of creation, when God created them male and female. Male and female, he created them both. These words in Matthew 19 are repeated by Jesus. And so is it that simple for Christians when we're looking at this topic to look at the creation account and see that God <coughs> created them male and female and uh, God doesn't make mistakes? Yeah, because remember our foundation that we uh, tried to set up at the very first episode where we are talking about sexual ethics and we said that our logical progression is this, that um, Jesus really died and really rose from the dead, thereby he is really God. And so then the things that he say truly are binding. And so he does go back to Genesis 
as the foundation for marriage. And he also goes back and quotes Genesis 1, uh, which we also read as a foundation for sexuality. And so the verse that you're thinking of, uh, Genesis 1.27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And that's very, very clear. It gives those two genders as the um, foundation for all the people that come after them. And um, I know it gets to be kind of a complicated thing, but that's where we're going to start right there with those words. And we believe they're true because God, Jesus, who rose from the dead, goes back and quotes those words, and thereby we know that they're true. Well, up until about 20 years ago, Pastor, and you know, give or take five years, depending on what part of the country you lived in, up until about 20 years ago, there was a real psychological issue that was diagnosed by doctors, by psychologists, by psychiatrists, called gender dysphoria, where people honestly, legitimately thought that they were in the wrong body. And this was treated as a mental illness. And was uh, there, there were uh, therapies and medications. But now, uh, because of the uh, big push for transgenderism, to, to even say out loud gender dysphoria is uh, considered hate speech. So again, um, this is a fairly new and fairly fluid uh, movement, and how are Christians to navigate? Uh, because there are some people who legitimately, we're not just talking about um, a girl going through a tomboy phase or a little boy who likes to play with dolls with his sisters or something like that. Uh, we are talking about people who, who could genuinely and legitimately be suffering from a mental disorder. Yeah, and uh, sadly, because of our modern politic, uh, we're not able to actually help people in that regard as if it is a true uh, um, mental issue that they're dealing with. And uh, we don't say that lightly either. We don't want someone to be frustrated because we say that. That's what it is. Um, it, it is very clear, 99.9% .9 of the time, you are either a boy or a girl based upon your physical anatomy. And uh, that's very clear to tell. And uh, it's, it's not a, uh, a thing that's really been in question until lately. And this idea of uh, gender dysphoria being a mental disorder is the way that it was dealt with for a long time until it became kind of a popular thing uh, in our culture and in our society. And I think that goes all the way back to when I was a kid. Um, the talk show Maury used to have uh, you know, transvestites come on and they would say, okay, which one's the boy? And nobody could tell. And then there was the RuPaul show. And uh, then the there's still a RuPaul show, isn't there? Yes. Um, and, and things like that. And so and it gets, I think it's buried on, on you know, one of the upper channels on your satellite dish. But I, I believe RuPaul has a show. Yeah. I don't have a satellite dish. Here's, here's just a free bit of advice. Turn off your screen and read a book instead. <laughs> that will help with this a lot. But um yeah, these things slowly got introduced and then uh, popularized and mainstreamed, and now it's everywhere as we uh, look around society. Well, Pastor, in our last episode, episode 25, we talked about the sin of homosexuality. And you brought up 
the word transvestite. And when, when I think of transvestite, I think of homosexuality. Can you explain for our hearers what you mean when you use the term transvestite? Because that is a different term than uh, what we've been talking about with the T in the, uh, the uh, acronym. Well, I think the T maybe covers all of these things. It's a, it's a pushing things outside their normal bounds. So um, transvestite would be someone who is a man who enjoys dressing up like a woman. And that has kind of flowed into now where a man believes that he is actually a woman stuck in a man's body. And um, that... Those They're related, they're tangential to each other, they're not exactly the same thing, but they really go a lot together. The transgender part is taking that idea and desiring to adjust the body or mutilate it in such a way as to look like uh, the opposite gender, and that's where the, the issue gets a little bit more serious and dangerous, I'd say. Well, lest any of our hearers think that this is only a 21st century issue, uh, in uh, Deuteronomy 21, verse 5, under the uh, subtopic of various laws, God's word says, A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. These are, uh, these are pretty serious words. These are very clear words. Uh, these words go back uh, to the very beginning of uh, God's people and God's commands to his people. And when we come back from our break, we're going to explore that a little bit more and what that word from Je uh, Deuteronomy 22 verse 5 means for us today. This is Equipping the Saints, episode 26. We'll be right back. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to Equipping the Saints, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Vicar Goodroad. We serve the saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Come join us for worship, 8 and 10.30 every Sunday morning with Bible study for all ages in between. We also gather every Wednesday evening, 6.30 year-round. We'd love to have you in God's house, hear God's word, receive God's gift, strength, for holy living. I think often of that uh, post-communion prayer where after we have received the Lord's Supper, we pray that God would use this uh, salutary, which means health-giving or life-giving gift to strengthen our faith toward God and our love toward those around us. And uh, when we're in this particular topic of transgenderism in episode 26, um, you know that when you have this uh, topic and you have it in any way that does not immediately support or immediately celebrate trans transgenderism, um, you are accused of hate. 
and uh, that is that is the opposite of our intent. That is the opposite of our heart. Uh, we love God's word. We love the people that God has placed among us, not only Christians, but we love people and we desire, as God does, that they know and believe the truth of God's word. Toward the end, uh, toward our last break, Pastor, I... Um, read this Bible passage from Deuteronomy 21, verse 5. A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. Um, we're, not, we're not talking here about um, an actor in a play, or are we? We're not talk to, talking here about little kids playing dress-up, or are we? Uh, can you can you help sort out this? The Deuteronomy twenty two is just a kind of a random list of random laws. Like, oh, by the way, we haven't covered these topics yet, so I'm going to give you this laundry list. And verse five just kind of jumps off the page. And you know, when I have had these discussions in the past, especially with parents who were uh, dealing with their kids. Uh, generally junior high or high school age that were struggling with this topic and brought out this uh, passage, um, uh, the the looks on the faces were just like, I can't believe this is in God's word. I, ca I can't believe the Bible actually says this. Uh, what what else is in there that I'm not aware of? Can can you help sort some of this out, Pastor? Yeah, what it, what this is saying is is that we ought to uphold the way that God made male and female in the beginning. It's upholding the creation and really confessing it as truth in such a way as to glorify God who made male and female. And so uh, I think we can say this on the air and, and everybody understands there are differences between male and female. Their biology does not look the same. If you see a picture of a woman and a picture of a man, you can tell the difference between the two if we're just going to be completely honest and up forward. Um, and uh, so what God's word says here when a woman should not wear a man's garment, nor a man put on a woman's garment. What it's saying is, is we're going to respect these differences. We're going to allow these differences to be seen. And in so doing, we're glorifying the God who built man and woman in a different way. We're confessing him as the true God. And so that's the goal behind this. And so um, <clears throat> I know we could do things where, you know, uh, we could get into those questions you were talking about, the actor, right? Um is that glorifying God and the way that he made male and female different? Well, I'd say that probably isn't, and maybe that's not the best uh, use of, of someone. Now, I know back in Shakespearean times, they didn't have women actors because it was considered scandalous. Well, we could get in a big debate about that. I, I still don't think it's quite the right thing to do. Um, we could talk separately about the kids that are doing it. I'd say kids, we probably have a little bit more leeway because... 99% of the time when a kid puts on some sort of dress-up clothes, they're pretending to be something completely different. But it could become an issue, right? It could be training them to be insensitized uh, to the particular issue. And so we ought to be careful with it. If they're putting on a dress to pretend that they're a wizard or Gandalf or something like that, that's different than if they're pretending to be a woman. And so we want to make sure we're paying attention and, and always looking for the distinctions so that even in our own actions today, we can confess the glory of God who made them male and female in the beginning. 
And I think many times um, we just haven't even thought about this. I know uh, back in the good old days when we uh, when we did our vicar roasts and things like that, we we probably did some things comedy wise um, that were inappropriate and less than God pleasing. Um, having men dress up like women uh, because the single vicar couldn't get a date and we played the the dating game and things like that and now when i look back on that uh we were not i mean we, we were having fun and we didn't mean any harm by it we weren't intentionally trying to uh break god's word but um in our in our zeal to be humorous and in our zeal to be funny we uh, we were not making the good confession with regard to creation and God's gift of marriage. So getting back to um, you know, our, our topic of ethics and Christian ethics and Christian sexual ethics, is there a sexual concern when men dress like women or women dress like men? Uh, is, this, is, is the sex component uh, there either uh, in the background or you know implicitly I'm, I'm thinking a crocodile Dundee uh, many people might know that movie of crocodile Dundee and crocodile Dundee comes from the bush to uh, of, of Australia to New York City and he's in a bar and he's talking to what he thinks is a girl and it's a transvestite it's a man dressed like a girl and it's a, it's a hilarious scene, and yet at the same time, it's very telling of our culture. It's very telling that uh, because this person, this man who's dressed like a girl, was obviously in the bar for uh, prostitution kind of reasons. And so um, does, does the cross-dressing, that's the word I was looking for before, does the cross-dressing issue have a sexual component to it? That's my question. I, I think it does because I think um, men and females' minds are programmed in such a way as to notice people and to think um, about people. And um, um, in the same way that, um, you know, uh, birds do, right? It says a weird thing, birds. But if you notice birds... Um, Usually one set of the partners is feathered in a particular way to draw the attention of the other one, to get noticed on purpose. And men and women are always doing this as well, just like birds. We are noticing people of the opposite gender, and we are always determining, oh, I like that or I don't like that in, in a um, a way to try and find a good spouse or not, right? That we're always doing this. And so if you are dressing as the opposite gender, um, you are, whether you intend to or not, causing other people to start evaluating you in that way to see if you'd be a good spouse or not. And that can lead then to the sexual issues that are coming out. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's the way I'm thinking it through here. The, uh, the reason I asked the question about the, uh, the movie actors and uh, this as as long as there have been theaters and plays and movies and things like that this this topic of cross-dressing uh whether whether it be uh barbara streisand dressing like a boy in yentl so she can study the hebrew scriptures or 
Tony Curtis uh, 20 years earlier dressing like a girl so he could get into the girls' dormitory. Uh, and, you know, th- this topic keeps coming up. Uh, Patrick Swayze, um, uh, Wan Chu, uh you know, thanks for the thanks for the memories or whatever, something like that, where all these guys dress up like gals. And th- this cross-dressing theme seems to just kind of pop up in all these movies. And I think we've been desensitized in that respect uh, to, to this whole issue and to this whole topic. Well, because I think when you know that it's a man and a, that's dressed as a woman or vice versa, uh, there's that uh, element of uh, humor, sure, but it also is uh, this idea of the forbidden, something that's out of bounds, and everybody is excited by things that are out of bounds. And it's nothing new. It's been this way, as you said, for thousands and thousands of years. For example, um, the Roman emperor Nero, um, he had uh, divorced his first wife, killed his second wife, and then, uh, I can't remember if it's his third or fourth I'm going to say wife here, but it really wasn't, uh, was a, a gentleman named Sporus, whom he had castrated and made dressed like a woman and uh, pretend to be his wife, things like this. And so these things are a present reality. They are the truth of the way the world is working, and it all is confessing sin that goes back to the issue we were talking about before. When we decide that we can reassign or change or dress differently between male and female than they should be, what we're doing is rejecting the creator who made us male and female, and that thereby is the sin. And I'd say it falls not under the sixth commandment, but under the first commandment, that you shall have no other gods, because what you have done is you've made yourself a god, determining that you get to decide what a gender is or what uh, the outfit is that confesses your gender. The uh, And that just highlights that all of the commandments flow from the first commandment and it shouldn't surprise us that there is a uh, sexual component while you were talking i looked up it is to wong fu thanks for the everything julie newmar it was a 1995 movie and it was very very popular at the time um pastor we uh we have uh something that's been gaining in popularity it's been in the news once again and it has to do with uh, this cross-dressing and uh, under the uh, under the topic of drag queen vicar uh, you're a whole different generation than pastor moline and myself um, what is a drag queen um well to my understanding i'm really not an expert on the topic but it is uh it's a man. I'm glad you're not an expert, but give us your best shot. <laughs> uh, it's a man who dresses like a woman, and I think that it's so. Distinct. A man is dressing like a woman. That's called dressing in drag, right? And and I think that it is um, kind of a specific type of dressing in a very dramatic type of way, and it's also distinct, I believe, from transgenderism. This is distinctly a male who knows he's a male but is dressing like a woman and uh, the queen part of it i believe would say that the male is a homosexual so we have a drag queen story hour happening in libraries and in preschools um, all over the country even uh, in lincoln even in lincoln nebraska even in lincoln nebraska and so um 
this this is seen as uh, harmless fun by many. It is seen as a way to encourage young people to love others that they don't uh, um, understand or haven't been exposed to. And uh, it seems to me that this is uh, hyper-sexualizing younger children and that there is a distinct uh, agenda here. Pastor? And rejecting the created order that God has made. We're going to pick up right there when we come back. Equipping the saints. Don't change that dial. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to Equipping the Saints. Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Vicar Goodroad. We serve the saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. What God ordains is always good. And uh, that's a, a marvelous hymn in our hymnal. That's a, a marvelous way to, I think, enter back into our discussion. We're, we're looking at this uh, topic of transgenderism in this episode 26. And you might be wondering, well, you haven't really talked much about transgenderism yet because we talked about uh, Deuteronomy 22, verse 5. We talked about cross-dressing. We talked about God making them male and female in Genesis 1, verse 26 or 27. And uh, we ended the last segment talking about drag queen story hour. Um, You know, it kind of seems like uh, in one respect, we're we're dancing all around the topic, but uh, quite frankly, we've been laying a foundation so that we can address this topic head on. Um, I asked several times if there was a sexual component with regard to this matter of cross-dressing. And I think that whether it's intended or not, that uh, there is a sexual component and we're being desensitized to the differences between the sexes. And uh, there are some people that are intentionally using these topics to groom young people for sex. Pastor, or uh, Vicar, you had some some uh, thoughts or some comments about this uh, during the break. What are your What are your thoughts about how um, you know we're we're talking about uh, transvestites and uh, drag queens, homosexual men dressing like women? Uh, how is the homosexual movement connected to transgenderism in your eyes? Um, well, in my eyes, it's kind of uh, how you dress really determines how you want other people to view you. So. When you are dressing in, in drag or things like that, you know, you want people to view you as kind of a female or, um, you know, if you're a male dressing as a woman, you want people to view you as somebody that would be sexually available in that regard. So you're trying to change how you really are on the inside that is, you know, a male and have people view you in a completely different light. And so there's that sexual component to it there that you are, uh, you're trying to be viewed sexually because it's, that's not really true with the way that we always dress. You know, if you come into work with a t-shirt and, and shorts on and stuff, you know, you're, you're just there staying in the office and, uh, 
you're going to be staying at church doing that. Ca- when, casual Friday kind right. of thing. But if if Pastor Poppy, you come in with your clerical and your collar on, you know, you want to be viewed as I am in my office as a pastor doing pastorly work, uh, going to be making visits, doing devotions, or bringing communion to someone. How you dress really affects how people see you and how you want to be seen. I, 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 think, that's, I, I think that's well said. You want to build on that, Pastor? Well, I think, too, then you can see um, the way that that uh, the people doing Drag St- Queen Story Hour dress also is kind of a uh, mocking of what an actual woman is. So, you know, Paul writes in First uh, Timothy that women, uh, make sure I read it correctly here, that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but what with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Uh, St. Peter says the same thing in 1 Peter 3, verse 3, right? He says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold or jewelry or the clothing you wear, but... Let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is God in God's sight is very precious. And then you see so many of these drag queens that have glitter glued to their face and they have uh, the eye makeup that goes into a giant curly cue outside their eyes and uh, giant lipstick and all these things. It's also then, in a sense, mocking what God really says true beauty is uh, in what a uh, faithful Christian woman displays. Pastor, would you would you take it the next step as well and to say that it's mocking the differences that God has made between men and women and uh, in so doing, mocking God's gift of marriage? I would say it is, and it's uh, denying, again, what we read in Genesis uh, chapter 1, that God made them male and female, and thereby saying we can be our own God. Um, It is uh, undermining the creation. It's saying, look at um, this definition that we have from Christianity through God's word, um, doesn't matter. Male and female, all it is is an external view rather than the Word of God, and uh, thereby it's throwing out God's Word. That's the issue. There, uh, there has been a, uh, a move um, in a lot of different directions, but especially in this area of um, the uh, transitioning of younger people uh, in the transves- uh, transgenderism movement uh, to earlier and earlier and earlier ages. There seems to be a, uh, an intentional movement to sexualize, or what I would characterize, over-sexualize children. Um, pastor, uh, you've, got, you've got young kids. My kids are all grown. I've got grandkids that are in this area. But um, uh, what is the proper time to be having these kind of discussions with uh, with your children. I know we like to joke around that, uh, you know, has the dad had the talk with the young son before he goes out on his first date? And, uh, you know, almost always the dad is way too late to have the talk. So uh, what, what advice... Uh, our kids are growing up in this world where it's everywhere, this over-sexualization, and certainly a, uh, a 
sexualization or a catechization by the world that is very, very contrary to the Word of God, the things we've been talking about. Male and female, uh, God's gift of marriage, one man and one woman for life, uh, only in the fireplace of marriage with the gift of sexuality. Um, what advice can we give with regard to parents who have little children? Well, it starts uh, at the very, very beginning, at the birth of the child, right, where uh, the mom and the dad are already displaying to the child who they are as males and females. Uh, if men will be what men are supposed to be, and if women will be what women are supposed to be according to God's word, and uh, there's a lot of freedom in that, of course. I'm not trying to just peg someone down or force the uh, square peg into the round hole. Um, if if men and women will be who God has made them, then they already are displaying this before the child is even able to speak. And then as the child grows and starts to look around and observe the world, you have an opportunity all the time to have these conversations uh, with your children and to explain what God's Word says and what is right and what is not right and uh, how the world is full of sin, and that's why we need Christ. And you can have this conversation with very young children. It doesn't have to get into the uh, mechanics and biology of how reproduction takes place. There's a time for that, too, when the kids are ready. But mom and dad demonstrate it every day, and they have the opportunities to talk about it with their children all the time. There, uh, There's the story uh, that uh, Corey Tenboom, the um, uh Christian evangelist uh, relates that uh, she was on a train trip with her father, and she was a young girl, nine or ten years old, and she had heard a word. It was a sexual word. I don't know what the word was. I imagine it was probably the F word, but I don't know that for sure. It was a sexual word, and as they were getting on the train, she asked her father what that word meant, and her dad completely ignored her. And so she was kind of wondering, you know, what's going on. So they got to the spot on the train where uh, the sleeping booth berth was there, and they had a they had a large, uh, it wasn't luggage, but a uh, trunk, a large trunk that needed to go up on the top shelf. And Corey Tenboom's father said, uh, Corey, I want you to take that trunk and put it up on the top shelf. And she says, Well, Dad, I can't do that. It's way too heavy. And her dad looked at her and said, remember that word you said to me before? That word is too heavy for you. That word is too heavy for you. When you're older, we'll have that discussion. That has always stuck in my mind because I think we need to acknowledge that you talk to a preschooler, you talk to a 9 or a 10-year-old, you talk to a 14 or 15-year-old, you talk to an 18 or 21-year-old, you talk to them differently. And it doesn't mean that you shield them from certain topics. You can still talk about marriage and love and where babies come from and all that without going into all of the graphic details and all of the biology. But you can tell them that a baby comes from a mommy and daddy who love each other. And when kids are little, that's enough. That's Anything more is too heavy. And I am really, really concerned with this push for uh, over-the-top, quote-unquote, sex education and all of these things that are happening at an earlier and earlier and earlier age. And to me, Pastor, uh, you know, maybe I'm just old and curmudgeon but uh, to me it seems like a type of child abuse. 
Well, it is because it's um, opening up doors in minds that should not be opened. Song of Solomon, do not awaken love's desire before it's time. Right. We've already covered that text. Wow. And so you can have conversations, you can teach, you can talk, uh, you can go to what God's Word says and encourage them to find a good spouse. In fact, I don't think you could start encouraging that too early uh, and say these are the things you're looking for even. Uh, But um, that doesn't mean that you should have the vicar put on eyeliner and glitter and lipstick and a wig and, uh, you know, uh, a push-up bra and dance around in a thong next to your child. That's too much. Yeah, that's way too much. And, you know, I hope we've connected Don't do it. I hope we've connected the dots here, Pastor. And if not, let's just be very clear with the time left in our segment. When, uh, when we're talking about God's prohibition, uh, in Deuteronomy 22, verse 5, with regard to men dressing like women or women dressing like men, the transgenderism movement is taking that the next step. We're not talking about clothing or hairstyle or makeup. We're talking about uh, actually, uh, in many cases, attempting to, by surgery, uh, change body parts take away certain body parts, add other body parts, uh, change the way that God has made us, change our plumbing, and uh, there's oftentimes a sexual component with this, but it is you're not happy with how God made you, male or female, and so you're going to take matters into your own hand. Am am I connecting those dots correctly, Pastor? Yeah, and what it's doing is, by I mean, the way you said it is correct. It is then denying that God is God and that you are a creation. You are saying that, well, I don't like what God does. I'm going to be my own God, and uh, I'm going to decide the way that I am. And that is outside the box. Okay, so uh, hopefully we've, we've uh, laid the foundation here with regard to what transgenderism is, how it uh, goes against God's word, God's gift of who we are created male and female, and uh, the connection it makes to God's gift of sexuality and marriage. When we come back from our break, we want to talk about uh, how positively to address this topic with regard to Christianity and how people can be content and satisfied with the person that God made them to be. We'll be right back, Equipping the Saints, episode 26. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to Equipping the Saints, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Vicar Goodroad. We serve the Saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. This is episode 26. We're tackling the uh, topic of transgenderism. And uh, for our previous episodes, you can uh, find them on your favorite podcast provider. Go to KNNA Theological Programming and... uh, All of them are listed, and the uh, Equipping the Saints 
uh, are some of the more recent ones that we have there. Uh, various Bible studies, uh, proclaiming the one, majoring in the minors, uh, classic Lutheran preaching with Walter or Luther, many, many uh different programs that are there and we love your feedback uh it is uh, it is great to hear comments and questions based on some of the programming that we've been putting forward this uh, topic of transgenderism is a difficult one pastor i read that uh, deuteronomy 22 verse 5 passage and uh, it says that it is to, for a man to dress like a woman, for a woman to dress like a man, it is an abomination before the Lord. I think we can make the logical conclusion that if dressing like a man or a woman, uh, cross-dressing, is a sin, an abomination before the Lord, then taking that the next step and changing or altering your body from male to female or female to female is an abomination, is a sin as well. Is that is that a logical conclusion that we can make, Pastor? I'd say so, and I think the issue behind it is is that it um, limits what your gender is merely to your biology, as if there's not other things that you're uh, that define the difference between male and female than just outward adornment of the uh, biology. Is that the right way to say it? I think so. And uh, it, again, is rejecting uh, God's word. In the beginning, he made them male and female, and it's rejecting God's identity as creator and God and instead placing yourself into that. And so um, there's lots of issues with it. So, so Pastor, um, we have... We have I believe, clearly taught from God's Word that uh, transgenderism and all the things that are connected to it, whether it be drag queen story hour or cross-dressing, um, all, all of these things are contrary to the Word of God. They are sin. And uh, I think we would be remiss if we did not honor God and the truth of God's word by calling sin, sin. And I think that's, I think that's what we've done. So, Pastor, uh, we know that people in the transgender movement, uh, people who have transitioned or maybe uh, did surgery and things years ago, many of them are filled with regret and remorse. We know that the suicide rate is very, very high for transgender folks and we want to be very very clear with regard to the fact that not only is this sin but this is a sin that jesus has died for uh this program is not about hate this program is not to mark and avoid this program is so that people would hear god's word clearly realize their sin, where they have sinned in their life, and repent and believe the good news. How can we bring this message to our world when the world is so politicized, where it's so difficult to even have this conversation? Well, I think we have to confess the truth, and we have to confess it based on God's Word, and we have to be uh, loving enough and brave enough to do it. And both of those parts have to be true. Uh, just telling someone that they're going to hell is not really confessing the truth. Um, we need to go through the entire 
picture of it. It's more than a two-minute conversation. It's more than a one-sentence conversation. It might be a weeks-long conversation with someone where you keep on upholding what God's Word says is the truth and uh, then also keep on preaching, like you just said, that this is a sin that Christ has died for. Uh, I think we need to be very open about it that every person who comes to church is a sinner, and uh, all of us need including to repent, the pastor. including the pastors. Um, we might not all have the same sin, but we all have sin, and we all need to repent of it. And repentance has two parts. First, that we admit that what we think and do and believe is wrong when it's not based on God's word. And secondly, that we believe that Christ has died for it and forgiven us. And both those parts need to be there. We can't have just one or the other. Uh, We can't just say, well, it's only sin and so you're going to hell. We can't just say, well, Jesus dies for all sin, so go ahead and do it. Both parts have to be true at the same time. And uh, we need to keep on talking about this. We need to be welcoming to people who are struggling with these sins and support them in such a way as to encourage them not to continually give in to their sin, Um, whether it's the sin of transgenderism or whether it's a sin of the third commandment or the seventh commandment or the tenth commandment, we need to uh, always be applying the forgiveness won by Jesus to sin and seeking not to live as uh, identified by that sin. 1 Timothy 6 verse 6 says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. First Timothy six six, Pastor, um, when when people are not content with who they are, when they're not content with their own identity, when they're not content with their own gender or sexuality, when they're not content with who or how God has made them, it leads us into all kinds of sin. How can someone who is not content with their identity become content? Well, I think that being not content with your identity is actually the beginning of all Christianity because uh, no Christian is content with their sinful self, and thereby all of us need to repent of ourselves and read and study and hear and believe God's word more and more and more and more. And uh, praise be to God that he gives us an entire lifetime to repent of ourselves. Some of us need that entire amount of time. Um, And uh, and in repenting of ourselves, we let God be God. We let Christ be Christ and our Savior. And uh, we let the Holy Spirit call and gather us into the church. And that's really what Christianity is. This uh not being content with our own identity. First Timothy six six. The content the context here is money. You know, I want money. I'm not content. I want more. I want more. And so this I believe has application, as you as you said so well, this has application to every aspect of our life. This has uh, application to every one of the Ten Commandments. Because one of the components or the key nature of sin is not being content. If I'm not content with my wife, I look for someone else to have an affair with. If I'm not content with my government, I might plan anarchy. If I'm not content with uh, the baby in my womb, I might plot murder. Uh, 
So I, I think Adam and Eve uh, were not content with being God's creation in the garden. And they wanted to be like God. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun here. Vicar, um, many times you have eyes and uh, a heart that looks at these topics that we've been talking about here from a different perspective or a different angle just because you're so much younger than Pastor Moline and myself. And uh, you are much closer to these kind of things than we are. Um, people who are not content with their identity. I think Pastor Moline uh, did a did a masterful job. You have anything to add with regard to the church's message to people who are struggling with their identity, whatever that identity crisis might be? Um, you know, I think that we you both covered it really well at the beginning of this episode. It's really, really important for us as Christians to primarily ground ourselves, our identity and everything, primarily in God's Word. Um, We don't try to figure out who we are apart from Christ, apart from the church, or apart from the Bible. Uh, My heart really goes out to anybody who struggles with this, and I always really sincerely hope that that people will come to realize this because it it absolutely breaks my heart when people struggle to figure out who it is that they are and they try to do that apart from the church apart from God's word because when you look at God's word God is absolutely clear about who he created us to be um, who he desires us to be and that should really lead us where we should go. We need to go primarily to God's word, not look inside ourselves, not go on some kind of journey somewhere to find ourselves anywhere outside of God's word. I suppose, thank you, Vicar. I suppose it was maybe 20 or 30 years ago, the first time I ever heard the phrase self-esteem. Self-esteem. And I, th- and I think there's some truth to uh, that particular topic, but it is uh, oftentimes twisted Uh, used and abused to make whatever you feel like doing um, okay, no matter what God's word or society says. Um, Pastor, some Christians have massaged that term, self-esteem, into the term Christ-esteem, that we should find our worth as a human being we should find our true identity in the fact that we are sinners redeemed by the blood of Christ. And that is our ultimate identity, and everything else flows from that. What do you think of that? Well, I think that is really what the scriptures put forward. Um, that's how the church traditionally had kind of seen itself, is that everything is about Jesus. And so I think it's fine to uh, maybe use that word, but I think even that's kind of a new thing. <laughs> you know well, what I mean? That's very new. And thing. It's uh, a title of a title of an evangelical book. Okay. Well, so rather than use modern psycholo- psychology terms um, and just kind of recoin them into Christian ideas, I think if we return to what the church has taught over its entire history, if we return to what the scriptures teach, and if we uphold those ideals, that maybe that's a better way than to just recoin uh, uh, these new terms. Uh, remember, folks, who you are. Uh, 
You are a child of God. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. You are a new creation. You were bought with a price, and that price is the holy, precious blood of Jesus. Therefore, God's word says, honor him with your body. This is episode 26 of Equipping the Saints. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back again soon. God's richest blessings in Christ. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska.